Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. The push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On TalkSport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catrum. It's an absolute pleasure once again to be in your company. Um, I fully understand, though, that this might not be um, the uh, the first... Well, it might only be the first time that we've ever been in each other's company. So if it is, please subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on iTunes, and you can do it via the website, TalkSport.com, if you need an Android feed. We have loads of guests on our Fight Night show, week in, week out. We don't want you to miss out on any of the content. So if you can't come and join us live on Saturday, um, we do always stick the guests in particular, into the podcast, all right, of which you're going to get stuck into right now. Um, we spoke to the UK's newest world champion on Saturday night, last weekend. What a performance that was from Lawrence Okoli, taking out Christoph Glovacki in sensational fashion. So I apologise for the first part of this interview because I am blowing smoke up the new champ's backside because I was that impressed with his performance. Here he is the source is it getting tiresome Lawrence as of yet every time you walk into a room that everybody must shout at you and new they must do mate that, that, that's got to come with every every room that you open now isn't it <laughs> well I've been at home pretty much most of the time now so I haven't <laughs> had the opportunity to but it's good to hear you say it hope you're well <laughs> we're very well indeed mate listen congratulations on a fantastic fantastic performance um, I'm, I'm going to be honest we were backing you last week but the way that that fight played out I would not have envisaged it to go like that. Glowacki yeah. is a serious, serious operator, mm-hmm. a former world champion, as everybody knows, a real slick, tricky southpaw. You took, you took him to school, mate, and then mm. took him out. That must, that must, be, that must be the 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 cherry on top of the cake for you. Because rather than do it with a lucky punch or whatever it may be or a, or a knockout, you absolutely outclassed him for such a period yeah. of time and then finished him. Yeah, no, definitely for me, that's the perfect way, you know. I feel like if I'm going to come onto the world stage and show that I'm meant to be here, I have to do it in the right kind of manner. So it was good. It was good. The, um, the, 
the COVID break obviously kept you out of uh, out of the limelight and got you to be able to work with uh, Shane, your trainer, for a, a long yeah. period of time. In yeah. a weird in a weird way, was that a benefit to you? So therefore, you could actually work on you rather than be preparing for a particular fighter to fight. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I'm just taking time to just uh, like get comfortable with the, with what, where I'm meant to be. So you know, I knew I had a world title shot coming. Yeah. But it's like, what type of champion do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that just beats this guy? Yeah. Or do you want to be the one that's able to beat him and then the next guy and then the next guy? So we really worked on myself. Obviously, there's still more learning to do. After winning this fight, I, feel, I actually feel more more eager to learn, if that makes sense. Like, I don't yeah. feel like I've arrived. I feel like oh, I'm so happy with that performance. I want better performances. I want to be unbeatable. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'm excited. So we met. Uh, Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence, we spoke twice, I think, on Monday, and it had sunk in, but you were still very, very reserved about the victory. Have you had a chance yeah. to celebrate with Dad Lawrence and, and Mum Elizabeth and, and, and celebrate family success? Yeah, I've, you know, I've managed to, you know, get, um, you know, obviously see them and stuff, but it's difficult, you know, with the lockdown. We can't really do restaurants and stuff like that, but yeah. I also have lots of people around, so it's been quite, quite chilled. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, you know, taking the time to be thankful, and you know, I'm really excited about getting back in the gym. It sounds weird, but it's like, <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. Amazing. But um, I'm happy and I'm blessed, and you know, I know that I have to take it, take it as it comes. However, I'm just, I'm so eager to take another belt and say, you know what? I didn't just win a world title. I won. I've got two now, and then hopefully by that time we're allowed outside, and then, <laughs> then we can uh, enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, you, have you been pleasantly surprised? Obviously, there was great critique of your awkward style, if you like. You and I have spoken about it loads of times, yeah, of and I've always said to you, your awkward style is an advantage, as are your two very, very heavy, powerful hands, plus your physique in the cruiserweight division, which will allow you to step up and, and become, hopefully, a legend in the heavyweight division as well. But yeah, sure, um, you. have you have you wanted to kind of get your story out there now and inspire people from, as they say in the headlines, flipping burgers and, and, and overweight to being an exemplary elite sports person? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important, you know. Um, like, I don't even see myself as, as a role model. I see myself more as a reference, you know. Uh, if you want a reference of what hard work and dedication can do, look this way and I, and I believe you can do better, you know, because I didn't have any high expectations of myself. And I've managed to do this, and now I've got expectations to do more. But it's like anybody can do anything. If I, that's how I feel with the fact that I've, I've managed to do this. Anyone can do anything. So, yeah, I think it's important that people can see, like, you know, if I don't tell the story, all they're going to see is a world champion. Oh, you know what? He's so big, so strong, so powerful. Oh, so good. But it's like they don't see the, tra- the, pr- the progression and, and the, the, the steps I have to take. Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, I think one of the best things for... For, for me and Gareth is when we see the sport transcend into the mainstream media it's alright being involved in the sports media but when it goes into the mainstream that's a big thing so I'm sat there on Monday night ITV News comes on and uh, and you're in there giving it the big end which was brilliant with all the family but the best thing about it was your mum's beaming face she's a superstar now mate she's been all over the national telly <laughs> she says she's got a cause she's got calls from all of her friends like, oh my god so you you know, so, 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 so she's more famous than me. Mate, walking down the high street, she'll be signing autographs, doing selfies and all sorts of stuff now, eh? Can you do the scream? Can you, can you do the scream? Yeah, yeah, 
listen, as well, listen, as well as that, the, the beautiful thing I think that you've got an appreciation of is you've got to deliver in the ring. Of course, you've got to deliver in the ring. But there's also mm-hmm. things that in order to transcend and, and to make the fans fall in love with you, you've got to do stuff outside of the ring as well for them to relate yeah. to. Talk mm-hmm. to me about, obviously, knocking the dude out and then dropping yeah. a rap track straight after it, mate. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I think, obviously, it's something obviously I'm passionate about outside of boxing. It's one of my one of my better hobbies. Yeah, and um, I just think it's like I said, where I come from, rap is really, really part of the culture. So it's good to kind of show a little bit of um, uh, connection and stuff like that. So I like it. Are you going to be? Are you going to be um, rapping your next ring walk? I, I don't think I'll ever rap a ring walk. It's not really my personality, <laughs> but I will most certainly be dropping more music. Good man. I don't see. Lawrence, looking at the looking at the cruiserweight division. Um, Alumba Makabu is the WBC champion. Yeah. Um, the, the, the WBA has about nine different champions at the moment. Um, um, Ma- Ma- Maris Bradis is the IBF. Yeah. Uh, you'd say Makabu and Bradis are the most accomplished there. Yeah. Um, who would you like to go for next? And, and is, is it possible to get a unification fight next, according to Eddie Hearn? Yes, I spoke to him. Uh, he said, obviously, he'll do, he'll do everything you can, and it's very likely. Um, obviously, with Bradis, it's a little bit less likely because he's, you know, talking about unification. I've seen him put some stuff up saying that he's up for it, which has got a good sign since I spoke to Eddie. Um, but obviously, the, the thing is that he's a big deal in Latvia. So yeah. it's like, I'm up for going over there. So it's really yes. up to Eddie and that to sort of figure it out. Because as far as I'm concerned, obviously, like, it's, I've watched these guys. And in my mind, my style... And my adjustments will beat theirs. And that, it's just as simple as that. So it's just about going out there and proving it. Um, it doesn't matter what, what ring, what area. You know what I mean? It's just, ultimately, I believe I'm a better fighter, so I want to go and show it. Uh, now, at the weekend, I don't think it will have passed you by if you're a boxing fan. There was a rather big card in Gibraltar. Now, I know at the top of the bill, Povetkin, White. Dillian White gets the job done. That's what everybody's talking about. But on the undercard, there was a certain young man making his professional debut, Campbell Hatton. He uh, came through that, a little four-rounder, gets his hand raised, job done. Now, his uncle, Matthew Hatton, is his trainer, so we spoke to him on the show at the weekend. But more importantly, we talked to his nan, Carol. She came to join myself and Gareth for a bit of a chinwag about watching her grandson fighting. Here she is. A lot of pressure on the boys' shoulders this week. It's a, it's a new environment, that professional environment. There's a lot of, obviously, with the history of the family. Um, I've no doubt the microphone was being stuck in his face all week and the hype was being built up all week. It, it's got, that's got to play a part of, of, of tonight, the nerves and the adrenaline and all those types of things. All in all, as the head coach, and his uncle in particular, you must be delighted that he's come through that. Yeah, 100%. I, I always remember my professional debut and I was so, so nervous. And I didn't have to put up with half of what the, the pressure <laughs> that Campbell has had to put up with this week. As you've said, you know, the, the, uh, the mic, there's been a lot of spotlight on him. He's dealt with it really, really well. Um, he's come through tonight and um, he can box better. I, I wouldn't say it was a bad performance. Uh, he looked really good in patches. He can do better, but I'm sure next time, uh, with the experience behind him, he's got the first one under his belt now, and he's off to a good start. And uh, like I say, he can improve on it. But the sign of a good fighter is sometimes when they don't 
perform at their, their very, very best. They still got the win and it was an exciting fight. Everyone enjoyed it and uh, I've told him not to be too critical on himself and enjoy no. his success. No, I, I think you're was... absolutely bang on. Sorry, Gary, go on, mate. I think you're absolutely bang no. on uh, with that assessment. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to um, congratulate Matthew. Um, he's always cool, calm and collected whenever I've been <laughs> around him. And, 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 and what I enjoyed tonight how cool Matthew was in the corner as well. Look, you made your debut at the York Hall Bethnal Green. I think it was September 2000. Ricky, I think I was at that fight. Uh, Ricky made his debut at the Kingsway Leisure Centre in Widnes. I was at that fight. It's so much pressure on young Campbell. He came into the bubble with us, with Ricky, uh, for the Kubrat Pulev Anthony Joshua fight and met all the media. He did an incredible job all week. Social media was red hot. I'm, I'm, you must be incredibly proud tonight, as I'm sure Nana is back home in Hyde, and, um, Nana Carroll, of just how well... He, he was over-ego, he did get caught a little bit, but he carried it really well tonight, didn't he? I thought so, yeah. You know, he, he hit the opponent and, and he hurt him. He's thrown a lot of power shots in there and uh, he was too eager to impress and it doesn't matter how many times you tell them. Sometimes they have to get in there and do it for themselves and that's the only way they're going to learn. And um, it was an entertaining fight, like you say. He's had a lot of support with this week. He's handled himself really well. He's gone in there, he's mm. got the win and then first it'll be, I'm sure it'll be his first of many. Well, I think that's the key thing that you, you just alluded to there, Matthew. I mean, as, as fight fans, and I'm sure social media over a, over a period of time will be on him and what have you, um, because that's just the world that we live in. But it's important that we take baby steps. We allow him to grow, develop and enjoy the process. And as, as you've just rightfully said there, the, the performances, the stoppages, they're all going to come um, with, with the confidence that he's going to gain from experience. It's important not to go too quick. Just let him enjoy the process. 100%. And he hit the, you know, he hurt the opponent a few times tonight. He was a little bit over-eager. Over um, if he set the attacks up and, and caught him with a few of them shots and set them up a little bit better, I'm sure he would have stopped the opponent. But he's got four rounds under his belt. He's fit as a fiddle, but he's absolutely exhausted, Campbell. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of that's down to nervous energy, though. So it was a great learning fight. Yeah, he can yeah. box better. But as a coach, on the whole, it was a great learning fight. And I'm sure he'll improve from it. And that's what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's going to be a process. Yeah. He's, he's exhausted, but I bet you he still won't sleep tonight or on the, all, all tomorrow <laughs> or on the way home. And, and how, how was Ricky? Because we saw you all interviewed afterwards. Ricky said he was wearing his mask to cover up the tears of emotion when he was listening to Blue Moon. How's Ricky afterwards? Because I know he's getting Fabio Wardley ready at the moment, um, putting a bit of vass on his face and stuff. Is, is, is Ricky relaxed now that, and relieved that, that uh, Campbell's made the debut? He is, like you say, Ricky's uh, going in Fabio's uh, corner now to, uh, to help out. But no, Ricky, you know, spoke with Campbell before. And uh, we're both happy, like you say, there's always things to improve on. We always want to do better. But when you get out of the ring and you think, oh, that was that was great, that was great, you know. It's a good attitude to have when you get out of the ring and you think, you know, you, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's a good attitude to have. But Ricky's fine now. And uh, we'll have a good chat on the way home tomorrow. And we're back in the gym learning. He's fighting again now um, on May the 1st. So Brilliant. a few days out of the gym. Brilliant. And then we, we're back in work in progress. 
I was going to ask you about uh, the, the next one, Matthew, because uh, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to want to get back in there as well. May the first sounds good. Is that the key? Th- I know it's difficult with this pandemic at the moment, but is, it, is that a key thing for you, just to keep him ticking along as regularly as you possibly can? Absolutely. I mean, it's important for, for any fighter. I mean, it's one of them. I think he's going to need little periods of rest as well because there's no rush with Campbell. We did turn him professional sooner than we anticipated, really, with COVID. So I think it's important he has little periods in between where he just lets his body develop and there's absolutely no rush with Campbell. It's good he's being kept busy. And the good thing is nobody's in, in, in any rush with Campbell, so that really helps him. Mm. Um, we, we do have another guest to actually uh, bring into this conversation because I, I've, I've always found this uh, the interesting part as well of the, of the dynamic. Miss um, Carol Hatton, welcome to the show. Good evening. Are <laughs> 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 you back? Are you okay? <laughs> okay. Oh, brilliant. What, oh, do you know what, Matthew? So pleased and excited for him. He did so well under the pressure, the exposure, social media. My biggest fear was, to be honest, I thought, oh, my God, how is he going to cope? Mm. But, do you know, he did. He did fantastically well. And he should. The team should be so proud of him. Car- Carol, listen, you've obviously experienced this. Was how you going to cope? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Exactly. Some <laughs> vodka tonight, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the rose. Rose. Carol, what's it been like? Obviously, you've spent your life watching your boys fight. Now you're watching your grandson fight. What's that? What's the experience like? Well, I just want to say, first of all, we always have, uh, Ray and myself, always listen to sport, to talk sport every, every night. And I love listening to you and Gareth. I love you talking about the boxing. It's a, it's a great show. I mean, everybody else has a smooth FM on or something <laughs> like that, but not us. We have talk sport on. Good and choice. It was, like, it was like deja vu. Um, I always used to get so excited watching Richard and Matthew but tonight watching my grandson it was horrendous <laughs> I've aged 20 years watching that fight listen he were alright he's in good hands they're looking after him he knows what they, they all know what they're doing yes they do know what they're doing um, <laughs> but I think it's um, it's an age thing um, I, I never doubted he would do well he's got his dad his manager and he's got Matthew in his corner, but from a, um, a nana's point of view, you always think, oh, God, I hope he's going to be all right. I hope he's not going to freeze. I thought he coped with it yeah. really, really well. Yeah. He was out of puff um, after the fourth round, but I put that down to, to nervous energy. I thought he did brilliant. Has it been more difficult nana carol the Hi, fact Gareth. that it's covid hiya um has it been has it been more difficult as nana as nana hatton if you like not being able to see him during covid and the fact you weren't able to be there ringside tonight would it have been easier if you'd been there i think it would have been um easier um because and i feel i think i've told you before i felt so sorry for his mum not being there because you, you want to see your mum before you go into the ring and you want to see your mum after the fight. So I do feel for, for Clary's mum. But personally, um, we had it on, um, in, obviously, and 
Um, I turned my back. I was washing the pot, and I kept saying to Ray, I couldn't watch the screen. I could listen to the commentary, and I kept saying to Ray, how's he doing? How's he doing? He said, he's all right, he's all right, he's doing really well. <laughs> I was pacing, I think I've worn the carpet out in the lounge. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he did it, so well he's done, there. Campbell. Yeah. Well there done, you Campbell. go, he's, he's up and running, he's up and running. He listen. Is, he is, Adam. Uh, now then, you will have seen in mainstream media that two-time world champion Amir Khan is bringing out a reality TV series documentary. That is right. Oh, my days. Where do we start with this? Meet the Khans, Big in Bolton, has launched on the iPlayer. You can check it out. And it also is live every single Monday night. It's an eight-part series, and it's warts and all. Anyway... Amir came to join us on the show at the weekend for a bit of a chinwag. And we spoke about all sorts of stuff, including the documentary, and whether he's going to fight again. Listen to this, and look how passionate he is with this call-out. Beware, right? Because on Monday, well, it's actually available tomorrow, this, on the uh, on the iPlayer, but on Monday... Can't wait. His, his new Can't reality wait. series documentary hits the screen. It is, of course, uh, Meet the Khans, Big in Bolton, the main man is joining us right now to discuss that and various other things connected to his boxing career is, of course, the one and only Mr. Amir Khan. How are you, sir? Hi, Adam. I'm OK. Thank you very much. Man. Great introduction. We need you, in, need you in one day introducing me at the ring. What's the main man called? Um, what's the guy we'll go called? Full bu- buffer. We'll go full buffer on oh, you, mate. Right, Don't you worry. Yeah. The next buffer. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen. We, we, you've obviously entertained us in the ring over the years, mate. We've loved it. You went into the jungle. You had us all in stitches. Oh Robin Strawberry. You name it, you were doing the lot, pal. We, were enjo- we enjoyed it. You've obviously got a taste for this now. Talk to me how this has come about. How are you making this? How, how has it come about that you're making a documentary with the whole family? Eight-part eight documentary, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit of a reality fly on the wall right, thing. Right. How has it all come about? So what's happened is... Um... During lockdown, um, we got a call from BBC saying that we're really interested in you know your life and what's been happening. And obviously, it's lockdown now, so we had nothing going on. Everyone's bored at home. I've been doing a little bit of training here and there. They go, look, we want to film you. Now, you know, whenever they film you, you know, being the best at you, I'm kind of so used to having a camera around, and even when I'm training and stuff, it kind of gives you the extra push. So I said, yeah, no problem. Anyway, from there, went on to filming after filming, and they take care, like, me waking up in the morning, what I do, what my what my routine is, my wife spending time with the kids, getting the family. I mean, everything. Me going to New York because I have a house there with my in-laws. Then obviously buying a holiday home in Dubai. I mean, honestly, it's like you get to see the real side of me and my wife, my kids. And it's a really good watch. They've showed me half of, uh, not even half, like literally 10 minutes of one episode. And I was like, wow, like, I can't wait to see it. So it's out tomorrow on BBC iPlayer. Yeah, man. You watch it all, or you watch it on BBC One the next day. Listen, you you've been in the limelight since a very young guy, right? And and yeah. you and you've been used to people writing headlines about you, and, and uh, obviously paying real interest in your not only your sporting life but your personal life as well. Already yeah. ahead of the documentary, the headlines are coming out, and the headlines that I've read they're, they're very. They're hard hitting, man. You know what I mean. I mean, there's no. It's warts and all, isn't it? That you know, you've not held anything back. That everything's out there. You and your wife are talking about everything that is connected to your life. End of the day, there's a lot that's happened in my life, and I think it's time that we have millions of fans all around the world. That time now being our real self, and whatever questions asked, to answer it, answer it, and give our 
our you know our, our view on it. So I think that's what it's all about. It's all about um, showing what we like. I, look, I'm a Muslim. I live in the UK. I've got a huge fan base um, all around the world. How I live with it, I got home in in America. I got home in Dubai. So how I juggle it all, family life. My wife being a a beautician, she's got her own makeup brand. How she's an entrepreneur herself. So it's um, I think it's definitely one to watch. I mean, you 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 have a lot of fun. We make sure Adam, when you watch it, give me a share. Tell me what you think of it, and be honest as well. All right, mate, I will. No, no doubt. Oh, right, uh, <laughs> Amir, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Who am I talking to? That? I it's you. Gareth. Gareth, Gareth Davis. He's, he's yes. not showing you his face. Yeah, you, Amir can see me on the Zoom call. Gareth, Gareth, uh, Gareth he plays it incognito, does Gareth. Go on, Gareth, after you, mate. Davis, I can't see your face. You've got, you've, I've got some Thomas Bellwood here, but that's about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not on the Zoom call. I'm just on the audio. Um, oh, <laughs> Amir, that, that, that you're, as, as Adam rightly said, you know, and, and I've known you since you were 16, 17, you've been in, in our lives, if you like, a feature of our lives for so long. Um, that's all the celebrity side. What I want to know, and I was up there with you in your gym just to, um, late last year, and you looked in fantastic shape. I want to know if there's still a fight left in you or whether that's leaving you. Look, uh, first of all, Gareth, First time we met, it's been a long time, me and you've known each other. She had black hair, now you've got the white showing. So I'm going to say, listen, it's been, <laughs> long, it's been that long, Gareth, me and you have been mates, you know what I mean? So it's been a very long time. I remember I was a lightweight when I first met you. I was a lightweight. <laughs> Since we met, I've gone up all the way up to, to a middleweight. So we've, we've, we've had some time together. Um, we have. So yeah, you know, look, boxing is something I love. And yes, I am in talks with Eddie. I mean, look, there was a fight that everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to see the Kyle Brook fight. But they've been talking about it for years and years. Look, me and Kel are probably, probably past our best, I'll be honest. But at the same time, we both are the same age. I think it'd be, it'd be a good fight between us to see still who the number one is in Britain. So uh, I told Eddie, I go, let's make it happen. Uh, Eddie said no problem. He spoke to Kel's family and Kel's father is he interested in it? He said no. He goes, we're not looking at all the options. Now, what other, what other option is there for Kel Brook to make a good payday and fight someone with a big name like myself? You know, uh, because there's not that many, unless you fight for so you fight someone with a world title mm. or in America. So I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head, man. I'm thinking, like, what's he going through? Like, what's going on with Kel Brook? How come he doesn't want to fight? Let's make it happen. So I've left it to Eddie and Eddie that, and my lot. Amir, is, is that a recent conversation? Is, is, has that happened recently, that one? Uh, last week. Wow. Four ago, yeah. Yeah, four days ago, yeah. Wow. Uh, Amir, look, do you, remember, do you remember when I was with you? How about, have you made the suggestion? Eddie Hearn's making fights around the world. He wants to make them in the Middle East. He wants, I know you're involved with the Middle East in, with the WBC. Um, he wants to make fights in Gibraltar. He's, he, he's happy to go anywhere. America... Um, China even. Remember the suggestion I made. How about you and Kel fighting each other at the Lahore Cricket Ground after a T20 game or before a T20 game with 100,000 people there? Wow. And I remember your eyes lit up. Why yeah, can't we do something like that? Look, but you can't be realistic. Look, we have to be realistic here. 
Kel will never go to Pakistan to fight me. Come on. I mean, you know that yourself. Adam, fight him out, man. What's up here? I think you... <laughs> Gareth, look, it's a brilliant idea. Don't get me wrong. What a fight be going to Lahore. And we will fill out cricket stadiums, you name it. But look, it's not going to happen. So we have to be a little bit realistic here. Mm-hmm. A fight in the Middle East, obviously, that could happen over there. Look, we have a very big fan base in the Middle East. And last fight against Billy was there. Billy did. But really, look, why should we like... Why should we go there when we could do it in the UK? We're both British fighters. Let's make it in the UK. I mean, I don't think there's no other arena or like or no other country that we should because bigger than UK. We're both UK fighters. We're both, both world champions, and at the same time, um, doing that in a football stadium here, I think we're massive. So let's see. Let's hope that things open up. And once once things open up properly, and we don't have no third or fourth wave. Man, listen, let me put a beating on Kell Brook. <laughs> is, that the only, is that the only one you want, Amir? That's, that's the one. You want the Kell Brook fight, yeah. and that's the only one. Yeah, look, um, I could call it a day from the game, and, you know, or I can go in America and fight. It's meaningless. The only two fights out there for me, in my opinion, is Kell Brook or Manny Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I've been in the game a long time, and Gareth, you know yourself, like, I've been in training camp after training camp, and, Having almost 40 fights now, your body needs a break. You need to call it a day one day. So I, I am giving it, you know, the last, last chapter of my life, of my boxing career, sorry, where I get this either fight and I call it a day. Amir, um, listen, you, you, you're never, you, you're such an entrepreneur. Um, I've got to ask you, and I, I got this email in the week, I think um, our producer Ed Huntley did as well. Um, you're now advising a 26-year-old Sikh boxer called Tal Singh from Liverpool, mm-hmm. make, who's going to make his debut very soon this summer. Um, he started late. Um, you must really rate him and talk to us about... It's really fascinating to have Pakistan and India and Britain and Amir Khan involved in all of it. I love it. Definitely. Well, check it out, Gareth. You know about the history. You know a lot about your history, about how countries are and you know with India and Pakistan they never looked eye to eye for a very very long time I'm trying to break that barrier and let's, let me start managing a young Sikh boxer who's a who I really believe love it who I really believe will make it right to the top and become a champion now world champion is asking a lot but I know you'll get at least at least European level or you know even win a world title hmm. um, he's, he's a 52 kilo fighter flyweight very ambitious and the reason I thought I'd give this kid a, a go because you have to look after boxing. I always want to keep my foot in the door in boxing. You know, I always want to be involved in it somehow. I'm involved in it with the WBC Middle East president of that region, but still UK is home for me and I want to manage a few fighters in the UK who I can probably help and get to that top level. Hmm. Um, just on the welterweight division, if I may ask you, Amir, you obviously a man that went to America, you chased the big fights, you didn't shy away from anybody. I mean, you even took yourself out your weight category and fought up at middleweight against one of the biggest pound-for-pound greats that we're going to see over, the, over a generation. Yeah. Um, what have you made of the back and forth between Spence and Crawford? Because I watched them on TV last week and, they, and neither of them seem interested in fighting each other when it seems obvious to everybody that's the fight to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a bit like the Kel Brook and my story for years before when we were both world champions. It never happened. And because there's so many options at the time that we both had. And now I'm sure the options that these guys have got. Mm. So, 
sometimes it's to do with promoters not working together. Now, one of my issues was was with Golden Boy at the time, and um, Cal Brook was, uh, I think, with Eddie. So they never looked eye to eye, and they never made that fight happen. With Spence and Crawford, it's the same issue. Al Heyman has Spence. Crawford is with Bob Arum. They don't work together. They work on different TV channels. Now, you've got ESPN, who's with uh, Crawford. You've got, um, you've got uh, the other channel, Fox, which is with um, Craw- uh, uh, Spence. They're not gonna make it. They're not gonna make the fight. Plus, they're not really big pay-per-view names mm. in America. Um, even though you know, I fought Crawford. What a great fight he is! And if they both to pick one fighter to win that fight, the two of them would be Crawford. I think Crawford somehow, you know, would walk through his power. And look, we see him take a good shot. We see him throw power and throw be, be the stronger guy in the fight. So. It's it's very hard to see someone beat uh, Crawford. Not because I fought him, but I just honestly like being in the ring with someone. Normally, you think that your boxing skills are gonna probably somehow overcome his. Mm. Crawford was very special. Mm. Fine, finally, Amir, um, I'd like to know who you really think wins out of those two. And I promise you, as well as Adam, I will be giving you my TV review. <laughs> of Meet the Khans, Big in Bolton, and I'll watch the whole series on iPlayer tomorrow. You can watch it all. I mean, you're just going to be sat there for eight episodes, and I'm really long. <laughs> I, 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 I am gonna, I am gonna binge <laughs> gonna with binge. the Khans, Big in Bolton. <laughs> oh my God! Listen, um, who's gonna win the fight? Is <laughs> gonna be, um, I think Crawford takes it. Yeah, uh, on points. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Spence is a beast. He's going to stay till the end because, you know, he's got an unbeaten record he's, he, and he's a young fighter. And, you know, young fighters don't give up easy. Mm. Um, and and, and the other, other prediction on me and Kel Brook, I, I knocked out Kel Brook within, with under six rounds. So, yeah, there are two predictions you wanted. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Over the weekend, we learned that Sonny Edwards is getting a crack at a world title. He's been competing recently at Superfly, but it's flyweight that he's going to be competing at for the IBF Championship of the World against Maruti Mithalani. What a fight it will be. April 30th is the date. I know that you're looking at your calendar there and see that that's a Friday night. Well, Sonny came to join us on the show for a bit of a chat about it all. Listen, congratulations on your uh, on your punditry uh, um, broadcast. Was that a debut last night? I thought you were uh, bang on the money, pal. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it was my debut with it. Um, it was good as well that I got to bit of one of my best friends, um, Lyndon. Yeah. It was, it was a good night. Um, we really enjoyed it and hopefully we get asked back. It was good. No, I'm sure you will, mate. Sure you will give some great insight to some of the fights and obviously speaking about yourself as well ahead of uh, April the 30th. Talk to me about this because this one is at flyweight. You've obviously been campaigning throughout the most of your career at super flyweight. Talk to me about now challenging for a world title at the weight division below. Um, I think 18 months ago, I did box at flyweight and yeah. won an IBF international against, um, I think it was Guerrero's that one. Um, so flyweight has always been the goal, especially at world level. But I think what happened was I sort of got locked into the super flyweight when Paddy Barnes was holding the WBO European and then I got offered it, but, I boxed for a catchweight at super flyweight, funnily enough, just to get me a world ranking. And then all the fight offers I was getting them was, you know, sort of super flyweight, super flyweight. And then Ryan Farag was my first breakthrough. He was a bantamweight coming down to super fly. I'm really a fly going up. So mm. I just got kind of used to fighting there. And I did always know, though, that when it was time for the big boys, then I would have to drop down because physically some of them international opponents were way, way stronger than me. You know, they weren't better boxers, but you know, once they grabbed hold of me, it was hard to get them off. So yeah. I always knew <laughs> that against the, against the top scheme, I'm not a super flyweight. You know, when you mention the names of the Gonzales, the Estradas, um, all them, like, I, I know that I'm probably not in the maturity of, of my career to really dent them just yet. But at flyweight, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go with all of them. I mean, I feel like I'm quite a big flyweight still. I'm not tiny. Um, and it is, it is my more natural weight. I mean, as an amateur, I was a light flower anyway. Yeah. So I feel like I've built into it quite nicely. And, and yeah, as soon as I've made my intentions clear of the world title, I mean, I've built my world rankings up. I'm, I think, number two with WBO, number six yeah. with the IBS, and number 10 or 11 with the WBC. So yeah. as soon as I made my intentions clear, the my team, um, Frank Warren, um, MTK, BT, they all rallied around and got me my wish. I, uh, I called some of already, um, probably the first time about 18 months ago. Yeah. And now now I've got him. So I can't really complain. Everything I've wanted for, I've, I've asked. And everything they've asked of me, I've delivered so far. Mm. So one more fight and Go. then I'm, I'm a world champion. Mm. Guys, guys, since uh, we were talking about Fabio Wardley just now, I've just upset the whole of Ipswich by saying that Fabio is from, from, uh, from Norfolk, from Norwich. I do apologise, Ipswich and Dan Allen. Uh, Fabio Wardley, winner, of Eric Mil- winner against Eric Molina, is from Ipswich. Let me make that clear. Um, Sonny, it's great to have you on. The last time I think Adam and I were in the studio together, you were fighting with the most unusual hairdo I've ever seen you with. <laughs> Has that changed? Um, it's shorter now, but you see that? That right, I've got one person to blame for that, and that is Lyndon. 
<laughs> come on then tell us about it grass him because all right then all right then so he come to my gym <laughs> just to come have a little session um and i had basically because of lockdown i was abiding by the lockdown rules and yeah. i hadn't, yeah. hadn't visited the barber so my hair was long right and i couldn't put in one pigtail because there was too much hair on the side so two pigtails got put in you know what i mean so he then said do you know what that looks quite good, that. You can wear that piss, right? <laughs> don't take the piss. Man. I, went, I said, to him, don't take the piss. He went, nah, 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 you should. I went, let me pull on Instagram. 52% out of a thousand and something votes. Yeah. Votes. Yes. So I'm a man of my words. I, I, and I had to at that point. I couldn't let the people down. It's what they want. It's what they got. So. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Um, do, do you... Oh, go on, Gary. Yeah, sorry, Adam. You go. I was just, I was going to say on Maruti, who you uh, who you are fighting yeah. on April the thirtieth. You've just been mentioning there, obviously, about the guys that uh, you fancied challenging. You have been calling him. That's right. You what you were just saying. You've been calling him for a long period of time. He's no joke, this geezer, right? It's not like you've you've decided to take a. You've been calling for one of the the weaker champions at this. Not that there is any weaker champions. You've called for the top guy, the guy that's ranked number one with a ring magazine. And everybody who listens to this show knows how we value those ring magazine belts. He's undefeated, I think, in thirteen years, isn't he, Sonny? You know what I mean? I know he's been inactive yeah. for about eighteen months. But he is the real deal. Like you, I think you said it on the broadcast last night, a legit world champion. Yeah, I mean, I've always said I've wanted to be the best. And the only way to be the best is by beating the best. Mm. And I don't think if I do beat him, when I do beat him, um, I don't think that will qualify me, even though the ring might jump me up at number one. Oh, my God, I've just seen Willie Oxenson about to get knocked out. He just got knocked out. Um, or knocked out anyway. But um, Oh, my God, no, knocked out, definitely. But, um, Jeez. Sorry about that. Um, the commentary's coming on anyway. Mate, I've got about three monitors myself. Yeah, you, I didn't know where to look then, Sonny. Sonny, your commentary and your punditry is magnificent. I've, I've looked at a different screen now. Superb. Um, I, I, I knew it was a live underdog. But um, anyway, back to, back to my career. Um, I don't think it would, in, in a lot of people's eyes, I don't think it would make me the outright number one at flyweight. There's still a few more tests there. I think that... I'm not. I'm, I'm not looking past him. Definitely not. I mean, this is the biggest fight, the biggest best fight I've ever stepped foot in the ring with, arguably. You know what I mean? So, um, but if I do come for it and the ring do chuck me up at number one, I still want. I want unification. I want to sort of settle the score with the Martinez fight. Left a bit of taste in my mouth, and that's the sort of angle I've wanted. I mean, I've tweeted Eddie Hearn about fifty times, and he's never replied. You don't mind putting Jay Avaris on my brother or Andrew Selby and. Well, they don't jump, mind jumping in, but I, I've never had a shout for him, so hopefully I get this world title on and I can jump over to there and, and, and really prove myself. Because I want to be known as, one, someone that took any and every fight and was never scared, so whatever they offered me, I took. And also, I want to be the best. I think I've got a style that that is so hard to break down over 36 minutes. I mean, I've got the legs. I've proved that time and time again. Fighters are usually shocked at how my engine does last. They always think I'm going to slow down. And I never have yet. So mm. I think if I if I can just win, you know, seven out of these next twelve rounds, I'll be boxing competitively, then I should be all right. Good to go. I, I think you've just touched upon something there. You you are one of those fighters when without holding a world title, um, you're, you're the why, why would anybody take a fight with you? Because you know what I mean. There's there's no upside for 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 people, is there? If there's no trinket on the line, I think once you find yourself in a situation where you have a world title. I would hope, fingers crossed, I would hope that that would make it matchmaking a little bit easier for you. And that mean that, that therefore you would be able to get the fights that you want in order to prove your legacy going forward, mate. 
Yeah, of course. But see, I mean, I'm a, I'm a really petty person. So you see all these <laughs> fighters that you see all these fighters that I begged and tried and did everything I could to get in the ring. If I'm talking, I was calling out GB fighters at Southern Area level. <laughs> I was calling out, you know, international fighters that will will go on to do well. I was wanting to fight them at Southern Area level and then English level and then British level. And all I've heard the whole time is, no, we'll wait for that fight down the line. We'll wait for that for a world title. Yeah. But the thing is, when I catch the world title, I'm going to be in absolutely no rush to give the opportunity to any single one of them because they all stalled my career and made me go around the house and fight the internationals and not get the British title for as, as long as I did. And now I can't defend it. Look, I've had the British title for over a year and a half now, mm. and not one person has messaged the board and said, oh, let me jump in. I've not. I've, how often does that happen? Very, very rarely. So yeah. people can say, oh, Sonny's not avoided, but the proof's in the pudding. I've now, I thought the British title would lead a few people to stand up, and it really hasn't, and that's disappointing. But now, obviously, I've got my world title shot. I guarantee when I, or when I win this world title, I'm made to vacate my British. I would put big, big money on it. I'd put my whole world title purse on it, that that British title gets fought for within four months of me vacating. I could, I could literally guarantee it. So it's just one of them ones. But they're, they're not really going to have the chance of me unless it makes a great deal of sense for me and very little sense for them apart from the opportunity. Because like I'm a tremendously petty person. Well, uh, you're in the Sonny Edwards business as well, mate. You've got to do what's right for you. Um, and oh, what's, right, sure. what's right for you is uh, April 30th. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be an absolute cracker, Sonny. Thank you so much uh, for giving up a bit of your time this evening and no, obviously commentating no on the uh, Willie Hutchinson knockout, which I missed. Uh, but I've just seen the replay because uh, you pointed me towards it. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> no worries, no worries. And you know what? I did, I did tweet out that it was a very live underdog. I mean, I am surprised. Let it, yeah. yeah. But I knew, because I, I know Lerone, how good Lerone is. And Lerone boxed him for 12 yeah. rounds and got a split decision. The British title was going on him under, uh, upside down. But that's all right. We can forgive him for that. Um, but um, I knew how dangerous and strong he was. And I, and I did tweet after that first round that he was letting him get on his chest way too early. Um, but he did have a better second round. But obviously, Lennox, is, he's a strong heart. He's a real-life hard man. And when you have them over 12 rounds, they're hard to beat. You can't stand there and trade them. Good amateurs struggle against the real-life hard men that might not be technically well, but they're coming with something that they haven't learned over the last 10, 12 years of fighting the best people around the world. So, yeah, that was a great fight. Time to get across the pond now and speak to one of those American world champions. The WBO middleweight champ is Demetrius Andrade. He's taking on Wales's own Liam Williams on April the 17th in a real firecracker of a fight. Demetrius was on the show at the weekend to discuss his excitement about the challenge. Yeah, just excited to get back in the ring, you know, um, get back to what I love to do and um, just, you know, one step closer to hopefully getting in the ring with the other elite guys, the other well-known popular guys. Um, you know, I'm not looking past Liam Williams, but, you know, he's not the guy to stop this train. Uh, my hat goes off to him because he is somebody that is willing to get in the ring and he took the opportunity to fight for a world championship title against me. Not too many people are doing that right now. And so, um, listen, I'm expecting him to bring his A game, work hard and, you know, bring the best he can because, you know, I, I do all the time. You know, that's that's pretty much how I, I feel about um, anybody I step in the ring with that they all are a threat. There's nothing easy about boxing. And um, yeah, you can't you can't play this stuff. You got to take this stuff serious, no matter who's in the ring with you. One punch can change the course of anything. No, absolutely, man. Whenever we speak about you on the show, and uh, 
uh, and fans call in and have their say on, on you. Everybody, everybody is obviously waxing lyrical about the immense talent that you have. And there's a lot of fans over here in the UK for you. Um, but one of the common things that comes our way is we want to see him in a big fight. We want to see Demetrius in one of the big fights. And I know that you have obviously been calling for those big fights, the likes of the Canelos and the Triple Gs. Why do you think they've not materialized as of yet? You know, it's a threat when you mention the two fighters that you just mentioned, because they're, they're um, you know, Canelo, he's, you know, he's, he's as you see, he's not, he, in my opinion, because this is just my opinion, his last couple of fighters wasn't anybody that was a real threat. You know, other, you know, he fought Triple G, you, know, you got Rocky Fielding, you got Colin Smith that didn't show up, you got your dumb, his last guy that's like, Smith seems more a bigger threat than them guys. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you got Triple G fighting his mandatory, who was Saza, whoever, you know, Billy Joe fighting Martin Murphy. And I think I'm fighting the toughest fighters out there that are probably not the most popular guys out there, if you look at my situation. But um, listen, I tried to do the Billy Joe fight. I was on it for, I don't know, I tried to fight him back then. He showed up dirty, and that got canceled. And then months and months and months was going on and with, with Corona, to me, it was a perfect time to maybe even put a Billy Joe fight together because now you get more subscriptions. People can't attend, so they want to watch it. It's an attractive fight for the middleweight division and for boxing. He goes off and says, you know, I'm not going to wait to make a fight with Canelo and blah, blah, blah. I fight Demetrius Andrade. I knock him out. I beat him up. All this talk. But. It was just all smoke and mirrors so he can, you know, get the Canelo fight, lock him in because, you know, the risk, the threat that I bring to them guys, they're not looking to do. And then, you know, if I was in Billy Joe's shoes, who I want to lose against, Demetrius or Canelo? So he went with Canelo and, hey, that's his, that's his life. I'm not somebody that's looking to just fight Canelo. I'm looking to fight Billy Joe. I'm looking to fight Triple G. I'm looking to fight whoever it is that is the best and that's going to help me catapult my career and my legacy to the top. Um, and that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing and ready to tangle with anybody. If it's Smith, it's Smith. Before it was Smith, my number one mandatory was Hummy Hung Me Mungia. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. And he was the number one. He said no. Get went down the list. Williams, you know, brave enough, willing enough, capable enough to get in the ring and say yes and get in there with me April 17th. So hats goes off to him. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not looking past him, but I'm looking past him because he's not the guy to stop this train. And the reason why I'm not getting the big fights is because the other people don't want to tangle. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because we've seen Terence Crawford this week give an interview and he was saying that he believes that you have been avoided. Canelo has avoided you and various other people have avoided you. Do you feel that? Do you feel that you are avoided? I mean, it's not that I feel. It's just facts. You know what I'm saying? It's real life. If I wasn't the most talented or if I wasn't whatever it is that wasn't, I would have got my beat in a long time ago, got my belt taken away, and then happy goes on that person. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've been champion at 154 pounds twice. I've been 160-pound champion, and I was looking to go up to 168. And each of those weight class, Canelo also been champion, mm -hmm. and he was looking to unify those divisions. And at the end of the day, he knew he had to fight me in the 54 or the 60 division. And I'm not saying he's running from just me or whatever, like Terrence Crawford said, there's Chalo, there's me. But um, at the end of the day, he's, it just shows that he's not looking to fight us. 
there's a lot of talk in boxing, isn't there? Because again, I've seen uh, Mr. Charlo as well come out this week. He says that you're avoiding him and there's loads of talk of this fight not happening and this fight not happening. We just want, as fans, we just want to see the best guys fight the best guys. We want to see the world champions fight the world champions. And you are currently the world champion and we want to see you fighting other world champions. Yeah, so do I. I just, like, at the end of the day, I don't actually just, I don't like talk, oh, I want to fight you. Sorry. No, I did everything to try to make this Billy Joe fight happen. I was taking a pay cut. I was going to make the same money as fighting Liam Smith to fight um, Billy mm. Joe Saunders. I was willing and capable of trying to make things happen. Triple G, what's the situation with Triple G? Why he? Why is he not looking to, you know, unify or make make a big drama show, which he always seemed to say, but instead he's not doing that. You know, I don't know what's he doing. He he fought his mandatory. Now what is it? Are you gonna fight Hanyu Mugia, who which he had his eyes on? Muvada um, now was around, but it's just like yo, we're all on the same platform. Why are we not fighting? Mm. The guys that you have been fighting recently, I think that there's a pattern that has formed in in the fights. Whereas you've come out super pumped up, put on an unbelievable display for three or four rounds, and then not not secured that finish. The question that I want to ask you is: Do you get bored? Do you get bored in there because it becomes too easy? I mean, listen, you know, I I, I fight a smart a, a smart fight. You know, I fought my last fight. Who was it? Luke Keeler. I stopped him. Who was it? Selecki. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I came on, I came on hard. You know, the first couple rounds to show him. You know, this is what it's going to be like. And he's he's a, he's also a crafty fighter. Look what he did with Danny Jacobs. These guys I'm fighting are not like just walkovers. You can't just walk over these guys. Arthur Akovov, who beat Billy Joe, a lot of people say. Uh, when they fought, I beat him with one hand. You know what I'm saying? Um, Walter Aquandakwa, who replaced Billy Joe Saunders because he yeah. showed up dirty. These guys are tough, strong fighters that want to make something of themselves, and they're bringing their best fight when they're fighting me. Now, listen, I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that guy wasn't they wasn't taking no for an answer. You know what I'm saying? He, Walter <laughs> was not. They, I put him down, put him down, did everything I can. That's but fair. at the end of the day, I'm fighting guys that's not just here to lay down. Spoken to Liam recently and just watching his fighting style recently, we know that he's going to come. We know that he's going to come to fight, which kind of would suit your style, I would imagine. And therefore, that must give you some element of excitement coming into this fight on April 17th? Yeah, for sure. I don't really study my opponents too much. Yeah, I might watch a fight or two just because I ain't no fool. Because at the end of the day, once you're in there, everything changes. I hear I hear them say, oh, because he fought the same fight as Alantes Fox that I fought. Mm. And then they go off that. Okay, it's like, okay, let's, let's get one thing straight. When I fought Alantes Fox, he ran all night. When you fought him, he tried to fight you. He tried to bang with you. He sat there. He tried to fight you. He didn't run the same way he ran with me. So, yeah, he was able to, you know, land the shots he needed to land against somebody like that. My hat goes off to him for accepting the fight and being willing to fight. But just don't get ca- – he, he gets carried away with his mouth. It's like, yo, I've been doing this for a very long time. I am the most talented fighter out there. Oh, you got to say, yo, I'm fighting Demetrius Andre. He is one of the best. I'm going to knock him out. 
cool. That's it. You know what I'm saying? All this other shit, just like, it, 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 it's crazy to me. And you know what? It turns me on at the same time. And yeah, come forward, buddy. Come forward so you can really see what these things could do. Because when people are running away or moving around, whatever, that's a little difficult. But when you see the guys come forward, they all go down. So come on in. <laughs> Now, as I said earlier on in the podcast, um, on Saturday night, it was Povetkin White 2 from Gibraltar. So this was all playing out as we were live on the radio, obviously speaking to people and speaking about other aspects um, of what is going on in fight sports. So imagine um, our excitement when during our preview of Carl Frampton and Jamel Herring, which is, by the way, happening this weekend in Dubai, um, Dillian White delivers the killer blow of the fight in the fourth round, stopping Alexander Povetkin. Here, in fact, there's no point in me describing it to you. You might as well listen. Here's us attempting to preview a fight that's happening next week in the middle of a fight that's happening right now. Cue the excitement. In a moment, we're going to preview uh, what's coming up next weekend as the, uh, as we all head to Dubai for Cole Frampton's uh, moment of history, hopefully, as he takes on uh, Jamel Herring in a cracking fight. Uh, where he hopes to become a three-weight world champion. But before we get stuck into that, I'm ju- I just can't take my eyes off my monitor at the moment as Dillian mm. White and Alexander mm. Povetkin are in the ring. Mm. The first three minutes, I thought, what is going on here? This is, this is, couldn't be as more reckless. Both men felt vulnerable. Both men felt like they could go at any time. But it looks like Dillian's had a bit of a telling off in the corner because he's got back on uh, his, uh, his game in the second and third. And I know that that third round has just been completed there. And Dillian landed some big shots on the Russian and most certainly uh, gained his attention. It, it, do you know something? It's just feeling very similar to the way the first fight started. Yeah, um, Dillian's dominating with his jab. That's working. Like you say, he had Pavetkin really hurt and holding on in the, uh, in the first round. In the third round, just that's just gone, he, he went under... Povetkin's uh, right hand and hit him with a brilliant straight right. And Povetkin just ate it like he was eating a lunchtime sandwich. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it's incredible, this fight. Any man could go at any time. You rightly say they're both really vulnerable. They're both looking for concussive punches. And it really feels like a shootout tonight in lots of ways. Harold Knight is, is, is berating Dillian to get back and close the distance cleverly and, mm. and keep... Povetkin at bay with his jab, soften him up, and then go for the the right hand and the left hook. But, you know, this is anybody's fight at the moment. But I do favour Dillian. He looks quite composed in there in lots of ways. But he's just got to watch that left hook of Povetkin. He's just hit him with a big right hand and another big right hand. And now he's been <laughs> caught back himself. They are going for it in the corner. And, and they are both landing massive shots at him it's unbelievable it's... and then clinging on for dear life because they're both hurt it's an incredible fight we we are we're going to try our best to talk about <laughs> herring frampton which is happening next week but what I, is, is it? <laughs> it, is, it is crackers it is crackers they're in the fourth round there's a minute of the fourth round and dillian landed some massive shots there fair play 41 year old povetkin Taking those shots, he didn't go down, but he was most certainly rocked and stumbling all over the place. Fair play with him, he's still on his feet uh, and still battling through. He's wearing a bit of that damage on his face now, he's starting to puff up a little bit. Uh, we will do our best to pay attention to our conversation, uh, and if something goes off in the background, we will give you an update here on Talk Sport. Um, fast forward seven days, because this time <laughs> next week, Carl Frampton 
uh, goes for history. Um, obviously, this fight was due last year. It was due last July. And then, of yeah. course, all the pandemic kicked in and what have you. Then they were talking at the back end of the year. Then it was rescheduled for the start of this year. Then the injury to Carl's hand and what have you. It's been on, off, on, off, on, off. Uh, but next week, seven days, fingers crossed, touching all the wood in the world. Um, they finally get it on and Carl Frampton gets an opportunity to go into the history books. Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's, he wants to make history because, as you say, to become the first Irishman ever to win uh, world titles in three weight divisions, you know, bantamweight, uh, super bantam, sorry, super bantam, featherweight mm. uh, and super featherweight. And look, he's an extraordinary character. He's done brilliantly to get this far in his career. He's only really had uh, difficult nights against Josh Warrington in the second fight with Leo Santa Cruz, which he lost. He's got a massive fan following. And he said this week, didn't he, um, to I think Lance Pugmire and Mike Coppinger on their Pug and Cop podcast, that he is going to retire after this fight if he loses. And that means with Carl that he will put everything on the line. I love this thing. He's fighting in Dubai with no crowd, of course. With Sorry, in Abu Dhabi. Oh, Dubai, sorry, with no crowd. And he's going to... Uh, Pavetkin's nearly gone, by the way. Staggering all over the ring. Massive left oh! And Pavetkin is down. And he's very, very hurt. He's staggering. He's got to it's his over. feet, Adam. It's got to be but over. It, uh, yeah, it's been waved it's over, over, it's over. by, by it's Victor Lachlan. The, the fight is in. over. Dillian White has won. In the fourth round, stopping Alexander Povetkin. And he stopped him with a set. We set it up with rights. He was hitting him, landing him clean with right hands all night long. He stung him, stung him, stung him. And he finished it with one of the biggest left hooks you are likely to see this year. It was absolutely outstanding. And this is unbelievable from Dillian right now, what he's doing. He's legged it over to his own corner. Picked his own stool up, which is higher than everybody else's, stu- uh, than uh, Povetkin's stool. And he's encouraging Povetkin to sit down. He's, he's concerned about the well-being of the man that he has just knocked out. In a, Do you know something? It's an unbelievable showing of incredible sportsmanship because you know full well, Dillian White is going through the mire. He was going through the mire all week. He was going through the mire all the way through the build-up to this fight, knowing how much pressure was on him. And his first concern isn't to celebrate whilst all that pressure has been relieved from him. His first concern was to get Povetkin back to his corner. And he's even now pouring water on Povetkin there to help him come round to his senses. There's a beaming smile now, of course, across Dillian's face as he uh, stands with his corner and he embraces them because the pressure has been relieved. Revenge and retribution has been inflicted. A sensational victory for Dillian White. Of course, on the receiving end of a knockout in that first fight, it's good to see Povetkin, actually. I know he's stumbling a touch, but he is walking over towards Dillian White, and both men are now embracing uh, in Dillian White's corner, getting an unbelievable round of applause from the 500 people in attendance. What a, what a performance. And they're both now laughing. They're both now having a bit of a laugh about how the fight has just played out. Obviously, Povetkin with the knockout in the first fight. The... The four rounds that we just saw there, Gareth, I'll tell you something, I wouldn't mind seeing it again, you know. I wouldn't mind these two. They've given us, what have they given us now? The best part are nine rounds of sincere entertainment. Oh, my days. What a wonderful, wonderful victory uh, for Dillian White. Absolutely delighted uh, for him. Congratulations to Dillian White. Sensational performance. Delighted for him. He's worked tirelessly 
to get that win back. And we're looking forward to seeing what he does next. No doubt he'll be on the show in the next couple of weeks uh, to tell us all about it. Um, thank you very much for listening. If this, like I said at the start, is your first time with us and you liked it, why don't you hit the subscribe button on iTunes? Uh, you can also get your Android feeds on the TalkSport website. TalkSport.com, you're looking for Fight Night. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.